many of you are thankful for the name of Jesus? Amen. The name which is above every name. That name that we can call out any time of day and expect for him to respond. Amen. What a name, the name of Jesus. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord this evening. I want to say Happy New Year because I wasn't here on Sunday, didn't have a chance to see you all. But I hope that everyone had a blessed and joyful Christmas. And I pray that your new year is filled with the graces and the goodness of the Lord. Amen. I just want to thank every one of you before I even get going for all of your blessings and all of your support and all of your prayers uh, concerning my ministry and the church and just South Metro as a whole. And I just pray that God just reward you and bless you tremendously in the year 2011. Amen. Even though none of us know what tomorrow holds, even though none of us know what we're going to face during the year 2011, there's one thing we can be assured of, and that's that God never fails. Amen. We might not know what tomorrow holds. We, know, we might not uh, know exactly what our lives are going to encounter, the uncertainties that we're going to face, and we're going to face a lot of them. But there's one thing that we can remain certain of, and that is the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I pray that we just understand that. This evening I want to talk to you about a New Year's resolution, and that is prepared to produce. Um, it is something that we talk about all the time. Before I even get to it, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, as we always do, and ask that He just prepare us to receive His Word, that He prepare us to produce. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank You, uh, first of all, for Your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you, Father God, for the 365 days that you've taken us through in the year 2010. We thank you that you are able to take us through 2011 as well. Just like you delivered us through the, from the enemy in 2010, you'll deliver us again in 2011. Just like you brought us through and blessed us in 2010, you'll do the same in 2011 because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, I just trust in that same spirit this evening. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwells in us, you said it would quicken our mortal bodies, and that's what we need this evening. God, we need you to quicken our minds and quicken our hearts and quicken our lives and quicken my words, Father God, that they would be filled with the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Not that they would be my words, but that they would be your words, Father God. Not my revelation, but your revelation. Not my truth, but your truth, Father God. I pray that you would anoint me, Father God, that you would prepare me, O God, to just deliver your word. I pray that your people would be prepared as well, Father God, that they would have ears to hear, hearts to listen, Father God, and that all of us, God, would be prepared by your spirit and your word to produce in our lives fruit and fruit that would last. We give you the praise and the glory, and all of God's people said, amen, <clears throat> amen. Over time, uh, past and present, uh, it, it seems as if every new year starts with one word. It seems like there's one tradition or this one word that we all seem to, to talk about at the beginning of every year, at the close of the, the year before, and that's this word resolutions. It seems like the beginning of every year we want to focus on starting out the new year right. We take a moment to examine some of the things from the year before and 
We look at things that we might be able to do a little bit better and we begin to make some promises to ourselves or to our neighbors or to our family and even to God. Even from the pulpit, we seem to start out the new year bringing you a word uh, about change or bringing you a word about resolution or things that we might be resolved to do or new beginnings in our life like the new beginning class that we even have started upstairs this evening. We It, it seems to be something that we do every year because how many of you know it's good to be stirred up by way of remembrance? <clears throat> the reality is... <clears throat> I, I think we should examine our resolutions each and every day uh, to make sure that uh, we are faithful to those promises that we have made either to ourselves or to our family, but especially to God. And this is something that I want to look at again tonight. I don't want to be repetitious. I, I don't want it to just be a tradition, but I want it to be something that we focus on because, uh, church, it's good to, uh, like I said, it's good to be stirred by the way of remembrance. It's good to look at uh, or remember where we've come from. It's good to remember where God has brought us from, what God has done in our lives. It's good to remember from time to time that once we were lost, but now we're found. That once we were blind, but now we see. It's good for us to recall and remember that we were once in darkness, but now we're in God's glorious light. It's good to remember, church, that we were once lost in sin. But now we are, are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were once uh, sinking in, in miry clay, but now we're standing on the rock eternal. It's good to remember these things. And it's why I want to talk to you about resolutions. It's good to remember exactly where we are, where, where God has brought us from and where God has brought us to. And it's even good to, to think about and talk about where we will be tomorrow or where we might be next week. And this is, this is something that has to do with resolutions, church, where we've been, where we are, where we're going. It's good, I believe, to start out every, every new year with resolutions. It's good to start out every new year looking back and looking where we're at and looking ahead. Because even Jesus himself said that without a vision, my people perish. Jesus himself said without a plan. Without a goal, without a resolution, one might say, without the, the purposing of our hearts, my people will perish, Jesus said. So I believe it's good for every single one of us every year to make some resolutions and then all year through do everything that we can to prepare ourselves to produce and have those resolutions made manifest in our lives. And it's what I want to look at this evening because that's what our resolutions are. A resolution is simply a plan. A resolution is a goal. A resolution is a dream that we might have about accomplishing something. It might be a vision that we have allowed to, 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 to be stirred up in our lives. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. Because without that church, we're not going to get anywhere. We won't get anywhere in life. We won't get anywhere in our marriage. We won't get anywhere in our business. We won't get anywhere with Jesus Christ if we don't have a vision. If we don't have a purposed uh, heart. If we don't have a, a a plan or a resolution, you might say. So I believe we should all have a resolution and, and be resolved towards something in the year 2011. Every new year, we hear people making resolutions, things that they want to change, things that they want to accomplish, things they want to do or do better than they did the year before church. They want to start the year outright, and all of us should do that very thing. Amen? Statistically, 
The number one resolution made by Americans is to lose weight. The number one resolution among Americans is never to touch sweets again. It's to, to, to put away the fats. The, the number one resolution, it seems, that is made by, by most Americans. It's the number one resolution statistically is to finally join that gym and lose 10 pounds in 10 days or 17 pounds in 17 days or to finally, you know, uh, put into practice that, that diet book that we, we got. You know, the number one resolution that so many Americans seem to make in the practical, I'm not talking spiritual yet, I'm getting there, trust me, but it seems like the number one resolution that so many individuals make, I'm, I'm going to resolve that, that treadmill that I bought two years ago, I'm finally going to get on, I'm finally going to use it, and it's going to become more than a clothes hanger. That's the number one resolution that Americans make when you study it and you do the polls. It's to get themselves in shape. And there's nothing wrong with that, church. But in all reality, the number one thing we've got to worry about being in shape is our spirit. It's our heart. It's our relationship with the Lord. And we're going to look at that as we go. Others, when it comes to resolutions, resolve to quit smoking. Some individuals resolve to quit drinking. Some individuals resolve to stop partying or hanging out here or hanging out there. Some individuals resolve to get a new job. Some individuals resolve. They, they make this resolution to change their jobs or get a different job or maybe go to college or maybe go to school, maybe to get married, maybe to get rich, maybe to get a degree. These are all resolutions that are made. Some of you in here have made those resolutions. Some of us have made the resolution this year even to be a better husband or to be a better wife. Some of us have resolved to, to, be, a better, to be a better father or to be a better mother or to be a better student or to be a better friend or to be a better minister even, to be a better lover of God. The, 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 the resolutions that are made each and every year are innumerable. You can't count them. The reality is, if I was to ask all of you, you'd probably all have a different resolution. They're innumerable, but we all have them, church. I'm sure that even now you're thinking about, when, you, when I say the word resolution, you're thinking about resolutions you've made and you've never fulfilled. You're thinking about res, uh, rev, resolutions that you want to accomplish this year, whether it be personal, whether it be uh, earthly, physical, whether it be spiritual. But all of us have resolutions, church, and I believe that we should. All of us should aspire to be better in one way or another. Every single one of us should aspire to excel. Every single one of us should, uh, should aspire to improve every area of our life, church, to make the most of our opportunity that God has given us. Every day, every moment that we have, we should aspire to be something better. We should aspire to be something greater. We should aspire to achieve a goal that we've never achieved before so that our life is continually moving upward and not backward, continually moving forward and not backward. You see, if you don't aspire to do anything, your life will be a waste. If you don't aspire to improve some area of your life or every area of your life, you'll never be better than you are today. I don't know about you, but I want to be better than I am today. I want to be a better father, and I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend, and I want to be a better pastor. But most of all, I want to be a better son of my father, which is in heaven. I want to be prepared to produce when the kingdom calls me to produce. 
I want to be prepared to bring forth fruit, church, that I could be profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work. That should be, that should be a resolution all of us should be willing to make this year. It's a resolution that we should make every single day. God, prepare me to produce today. It should be part of our everyday Christian life, church. But the reality is, listen, what is a resolution, really? If you ask yourself, what is a resolution? Is it a list of, of tasks or a, a list of, of things that you scribble out on a piece of paper in order of priority? Like I just, number one priority, lose weight. Is that what a resolution is? Is a resolution a promise made to yourself, a, a promise made to a family member, or maybe even a, a promise to God? Is, is, a, is a resolution nothing more than a, a New Year's Eve tradition that we make every single year? Is a resolution a good idea, a good concept? Is it, is it a good thought or a good intention that we have or is it something more? Biblically, it's something more. The word resolution means determined and purposed. It means resolved and decisive at the very heart of the matter. So the reality is when you decide to, re- when you, when you make a resolution, it start, it has to start in the heart. It is the heart of the matter when it comes to resolutions that are made. A resolution means a made up mind. It means to be unwavering. It means to be unthwarted in the resolution that you have made. A true resolution and a biblical resolution, church, means to be made with all seriousness and fervor and constancy. Not consistency, but constancy. You see, there's a difference. Consistency means just over and over and over and over. Constant means to be without, constancy means to be without wavering. It means to be without shifting. It means to have no shadow. It means to have no variance. Constancy means to be fixed and firm in what you are holding to. You see, you can do something over and over and over and over and over and not really be, be constant with it. You cannot be, you you can do something over and over and over and really not be fixed and firm and unwavering in that. God is calling us to constancy when it comes to, to, uh, resolutions in our life, church. Constancy means free from, from variance or shifting. It means to be steadfast, fixed and firm. So when I talk about resolutions this evening, that's what I want you to think about. It's what our resolutions must be made of, church. They must be made of something that's immovable. They must be made of something that is fixed and firm and can't be shaken by circumstance or situation or by individual or by attitude or by emotion or by fear or anything else, even by the devil himself. Our resolutions, if they have, if they want to succeed, our resolutions, if we want them to be accomplished, must be fixed and firm and unmovable in every area of our life. Because if they're not, there'll be nothing more than empty words. If not, there'll be nothing more than empty promises. If, if not, they will not have the power to produce in our lives, church. They have to be more than a good idea. They have to be more than a, a concept or a thought that's scribbled down on a piece of paper, church. They have to be more than words that are simply spoken. They have to be fixed and firm in our lives. We must be prepared to produce when we start to talk about resolutions, church. For a resolution to become an accomplishment or a reality in your life, they must be rooted in determination. They must be rooted in purpose. And they must remain ever before us. 
They've got to be constant until they are accomplished. You see, the reality is when it comes to resolutions, most of them fail because we're not constant until they're accomplished. Something gets in the way, something distracts us, something detracts us, or we simply forget about it, church, because it's not ever before us. So when it comes to resolutions, whether they're physical, whether they're, they're natural or whether they're supernatural, they must be rooted in determination and purpose, church. They must be fixed and they must be immovable. Understand, the potential for greatness, the potential for growth, church, resides in every resolution you and I might ever make, just like it resides in a seed. But that seed cannot produce. That seed cannot bring forth fruit. That seed cannot accomplish the reason that it was created until it's planted, church. Until it is placed into the soil. And not just any soil. A seed has to be planted in fertile soil in order for it to grow. A seed has to be planted in the right soil, church. A seed has to be planted in conditioned soil and soil that has been prepared to produce. The truth is, most resolutions that we make at any level, church, fail simply because the heart has not been prepared to produce. Because the heart has not been prepared to produce that what your mouth has professed. And I don't want to be too teachy with that, and I don't want to lose you with that, so I'll say it again. The main reason most, most resolutions fail is because the heart has not been prepared to produce what the mouth has professed. Oh God, I'll serve you. Oh God, I'll do this. Oh God, I'll, I'll go here. Oh God, I'll do that. We, we make bold professions and bold proclamations without our heart ever being prepared to produce what our mouth has professed. And it's why we have no power in our life. It's why those resolutions are never accomplished or fulfilled in our lives. It's why most resolutions in our life, like I said, whether physical, natural, or supernatural, are not fulfilled or accomplished in our lives. Because our hearts aren't willing to pay the price to produce what we've just professed. And that's what we have to understand about resolutions. Don't make a resolution before you prepare your heart. Don't make a resolution and a promise to God until you've prepared your heart to produce what you're about to say. You see, the reality is God's not interested in lip service, church. He's not interested in the mouth that says it will do this. He's interested in a heart that will do what the mouth said it will do. You see, God's wanting us to put our money where our mouth is. You see, God can't use lip service. What God can use is a heart that is set toward Him. What God can use is a heart that is fixed and firm and established, unwavering, unmovable, has no shifting within it. That's, that's what God's looking for. He's not interested in lip service, like I said. Understand, the potential for greatness resides in every resolution you make, whether it's natural or supernatural. Uh, in other words, I'm going to start a business. That's a resolution somebody might make this year, and there is greatness inside that resolution. But it will never be accomplished unless that resolution is planted in the right place, church. Listen, in the physical, practical realm, for an idea to grow, for a plan to prosper, it's got to be planted in the proper soil. Amen? 
I'm not talking about dirt. I'm talking about surroundings. It's got to be planted and surrounded in the proper place, surrounded by the proper climate, surrounded by the proper conditions, just like a seed church. It must be planted among the right people for an idea to be accomplished, for an idea to produce church, for an idea to prosper in our lives. It's got to be planted among the right people at the right place at the right time. Or it'll never be more than a good idea. It'll never be more than a good concept. It'll never be more than this, this awesome invention that's just bouncing around in our mind. The sad reality is every single one of us in this place have had a million dollar idea that's never been planted. Every single one of us, including myself, ask my wife, I've got thousands of them, but I've never planted them. And so they don't prosper, at least for me. They'll prosper for somebody else, church, that plants that idea in the right place. That's the principle behind resolutions. If you don't plant your resolution in the right place at the right time among the right people, it's not going to produce. Listen, if you resolve to, if you resolve to stop drinking this year, the last place you want to plant yourself is at a bar down on South Street. It's not the right place at the right time. You understand what I'm saying? And that resolution will never prosper. If you resolve to live a life of purity and get away from sexual uh, promiscuity, the last place you want to plant yourself is down on South Street in the middle of the night where hookers are walking around. It's not the right place, not the right time, not the right environment. And that resolution that you make will not will not grow. It won't prosper, church. The same thing holds true in every area of our life. The reality is, if you want your money to prosper, if you want your money to produce, you got to plant it in the right place at the right time. Maybe you plant it in a savings account. Maybe you plant it in a money market. Maybe you plant it in real estate. But listen, you've got to plant it somewhere or that dollar will always be a dollar. You understand what I'm saying? A dollar is not going to become $10 by putting it under your pillowcase. It's not going to become $20 by hiding it under your mattress. You've got to plant it in the right place at the right time, or it'll always be a dollar. The reality is, in today's economy, it'll be less than a dollar. We've got to plant it in the right place at the right time. And that same principle holds true spiritually, church. If you have a spiritual resolution, you better plant it in the right place. You better plant it among the right people. You better plant it at the right time, church. You better make sure that your heart is prepared to produce. Don't make spiritual resolutions with a heart that's not prepared to produce. With a heart that's not been prepared with prayer. With a heart that's not been prepared by the Word of God. With a heart that's not been prepared with worship and praise and all these other things that, 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 that condition the soil of our soul. You see, the reality is so many of us make spiritual resolutions and we give a flip about the Word of God. And we don't go giving time and prayer. And then we wonder why we, we aren't progressing spiritually. Because we've done diddly to prepare the soil of our soul. Because we've done nothing to prepare our hearts to produce, church. And this is what God is calling us to in 2011. He is calling us to prepare ourselves to produce. You see, He's given South Metro Ministries a vision. 
He's given the pastor a vision. He's given South Metro Ministries a goal and a direction and a roadmap concerning building and expanding. And he wants us to be prepared to produce in the midst of that. He wants not only the pastor to be prepared. He wants all of you to be prepared as well. Because we're all part of the body of Christ. We all have a special role and a part to play. And all of us have to be prepared to produce church. In the spiritual realm, like I said, these principles apply. When we make spiritual resolutions that are not grounded in determination. When we make spiritual resolutions that are never cultivated within our heart, church. When they're, they're not rooted in the soil of seriousness. Or they're not rooted in the, the soil of fervor or constant, constancy. Like I said, they're snatched away as soon as they're made. They won't grow. They won't accomplish anything. Listen, the truth is, unless our hearts are prepared to produce, they won't. They won't. Unless you and I take the time to prepare our hearts to produce, they won't produce. They'll sit idle. They'll sit profitless. They'll sit useless to the kingdom. They'll be there. They might... You know, they might desire some good things, but until they're prepared to produce, they won't, church. Unless our hearts are prepared to bring forth what our mouth professes, either to our family or to our God, church, then then all of our resolutions and all of our confessions and all of our professions, whether they're earthly or spiritual, church, are nothing more than empty promises made to ourselves or made to someone else or made to God. Our hearts have to be prepared to bring forth what our mouth professes, church. In, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22, we can find this very thing that I'm talking about. We can find empty promises that were made to God. <clears throat> in verse 18, <clears throat> it says this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to go across to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher... I will follow you wherever you go. What a bold proclamation. Think about it, church. Crowd all around Jesus, teaching and preaching and doing miracles. And this teacher of the law walks up. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Wheresoever thou goest, Jesus, I will goest. Whatsoever you do, I will do. Wherever you ask me to go, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. This is the level of the the, the proclamation this man made. Wherever you go, Jesus, I will go. This is the resolution. This is the proclamation that this man made. But how many of you know, like I said, God's not interested in lip service, which is obviously, as we read along, what this man had. It's all he offered to Jesus Christ was lip service. All he offered him was an empty resolution, a powerless promise to follow Jesus wherever he went, church. God is looking for a heart that's willing to go where the mouth says it will. You understand what I'm saying? Don't dare tell God you'll follow him wherever wherever he'll go unless your heart's willing to go there. Don't tell Jesus because, listen, he might lead you to the gates of hell. He might lead you into lack. He might lead you into suffering. He might lead you into darkness. So don't tell Jesus you'll follow him wherever you go unless your heart's prepared to go there. Before you open yourself up that deeply to God, you better examine the soil of your soul and make sure it's prepared to produce. 
Let your yes be yes and your no be no, the Bible said. Don't promise what you can't fulfill. Don't make empty promises to a, a God of the universe, church. Bad move. Make sure that your heart is prepared to produce what your mouth just said. But listen, this man's intention may have been good. It may have been 100% sincere. Maybe he truly wanted to follow Jesus Christ just like he said he would, church. But the sad reality is, when you read the Word of God, as soon as Jesus examined the soil of his soul, we discovered that his heart wasn't prepared to produce what his mouth said it would. Understand, listen, every time you make a resolution, every time you tell God you're going to do something, you know what the first thing he does? He judges your thoughts and your intentions. He examines the soil of your soul to see if you're a bunch of nonsense or whether or not you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Understand, God's not some fool. He knows the thoughts and the intentions and the motive of every one of our hearts. And every time we open up our mouth and tell God we're going to do something, He examines the soil of our soul to see whether or not our heart is prepared to produce what we just said we would. That's what happened with this man. Jesus understood the, his intentions. Jesus understood his motives. And he said, hold on a minute, bud. He said, hold on. This is a bold proclamation. But let me tell you what your proclamation is going to cost. Let me tell you the price that has to be paid for you to live up to that profession. And in the next verse, he says to the man, foxes have holes and the birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You might say you want to follow me wherever you go. You might say that you'll follow me wherever I tell you to go. You might say all those things, but listen, he said it, and then you know what Jesus did? He laid out the terms and the conditions like he does with us all. He says, love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. He laid out the terms and conditions for this man. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What Jesus did is he put a price on this man's profession, but the man wasn't willing to pay the price. Jesus put a price on this man's bold proclamation, but we find out that the man wasn't willing to pay the price. And we never hear from this man again. We never hear anything about him. We never hear a word about him. We never hear about some great accomplishment. We never hear about some miracle he was involved in. We never hear about his love relationship with the Father. We don't hear about him, church. Listen, the one that, prope- the, the one that professed to follow him anywhere followed him nowhere because his heart wasn't prepared to produce. And it sounds just like us sometimes, church. We make these bold proclamations. With our lips we show God so much love, but our hearts in all reality are far from God. We make these bold proclamations and these grand resolutions every single year concerning our relationship with God, concerning our relationship with Jesus Christ, but we've done nothing to prepare our hearts to produce what we just professed. God This year, I'm going to love you like I never loved you before. This year, God, I'm going to serve you. This year, I'm going to be in church every single week. This year, I'm going to serve in a ministry. This year, I'm going to read my Bible. This year, I'm going to pray. This year, I'm going to... This year, I'm going to do all this. We make these bold proclamations, church, but we don't do anything to prepare the soil of our soul. We don't prepare ourselves like we should. 
Enable so, so that those professions, church, so that those resolutions that we make can produce something in our lives. It happens all the time, church. So often, God, I'll follow you wherever you ask me to go. I'll follow you through the, the good times and the bad, through the, through the prosperity and through the lack, through the sunshine and through the rain. But when next Sunday rolls around and we've got to get up early for church, when next Sunday rolls around and we've got to pay the price for that profession, all of a sudden, what happens? Our resolution withers and dies. Our profession withers and dies. And we produce nothing of value in our life. It happens all the time. I've done it, church. I'm just as guilty as the next guy. Making bold proclamations without preparing the soil of my soul. But that's what God wants this year. He wants us to be prepared to produce church. God, we hear it all the time. God, if you heal me, I'll serve you. God, if you get me out of this mess, I promise, God, I'll be your best servant. God, if you give me that job, I'll begin to tithe. God, if you give me that bonus, I'll give half of it. If I, if I win the lottery, I'll keep 10% and you can have 90. We do it all the time, church. If you mend my marriage, God. If you bring home my, my, my loved son. If you bring home my, my lost spouse. If you make everything better, God. Well, I promise we'll be in church every single week. And God in His infinite mercy hears us. And God in His infinite mercy responds. And God in His infinite mercy reaches down into our situation and He does a miracle in our lives. And yet, our resolutions go unfulfilled. And yet our promises and our word holds no weight. Produces nothing in our lives, church. Because when we uttered all those promises, they were empty. Because when we uttered all of those promises to a good, gracious God, our hearts were not prepared to produce what our mouth just professed. It's what God wants from us this year, church. Our hearts must be prepared. Look at it. This man in Matthew 8, who just moments earlier made such a grand resolution... I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And this man, when he said it, look, everybody knew. There were a lot of people knew what Jesus was going to face. He was saying, I'll follow you into persecution, Jesus. I'll follow you right to the gates of hell. I'll follow you wherever you go. But this man who made such a bold proclamation turns out to be the life where spiritual growth was never achieved in his life. He turns out to be the life where fruit... Spiritual fruit was never born. He turns out to be the, 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 the life where greatness was never recognized or achieved in his life. He's the man that was never heard of again. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want my life to be that. I don't want to be the man who's never heard of again. I want my life to mean something. I want my ministry to mean something. I want my relationship with God to mean something. I want to leave something behind that others can look at, church, like these individuals and like other individuals, not this individual. I don't want to be this man that's never heard of again because I, because I wasn't prepared to produce church. It's exactly what God is looking for. Listen, the reality is 2011 will only take you as far as your heart is willing to go. 2011 will only take you as far as your heart is willing to go. Our relationship with Christ is the same way. 
Our relationship with Christ will only go as far as your heart is willing to go, church. Some are content not to go anywhere. Some are content to stay exactly where they are in their relationship with Jesus Christ and have no aspirations to go any deeper than where they are. But that's not what God is looking for in 2011. God is looking for that heart that is willing to pay the price. He's looking for that heart that is desperately seeking to or aspiring to a deeper, fuller relationship with him, church. Our hearts will our lives will only go as far as our heart is willing to take us, church. But I wonder how far are our hearts willing to go for the Lord in 2011? The questions that we need to ask ourselves is, how far am I willing to go in service to the Lord in 2011? How far am I willing to go in worship and in praise? How willing am I, how far am I willing to go in giving and in tithing? How far am I willing to go, church, in, in prayer and in the Word of God and in fasting? How far am I willing to go in the spiritual disciplines that will condition the soil of my soul? How far am I willing to go in forgiveness and in love and how far am I willing to go in, in, in patience and, and meekness and humility? How far am I willing to go in order to produce something of value in the kingdom of God? That's what Jesus is looking for. You see, all these earthly resolutions, they're great and good, and we should make some of those. But like I said, the only eternal resolution that matters is our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only one. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Bodily exercise is, is profitable just for a little. But spiritual exercise, the Bible says, profits much. Because it holds value not only today, but tomorrow as well. This is what we have to understand about resolutions, church. Listen, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 21, we find another individual similar to the first makes another bold proclamation. Right after this, this one guy makes this bold proclamation and walks away because he wasn't willing to pay the price. It's exactly what happened. This, the, another man creeps up out of the crowd. And this is what he says. I will follow you, Lord. And understand what he's saying. That guy might have walked away, Jesus. That guy might not be willing to pay the price. That person over there, that person sitting on this side, that person, these other individuals may not be prepared to produce what they just professed. But he comes out and says, but I'll follow you, Lord. I'm different. And immediately pride sets. He sets himself above the other guy. But what's the next thing that comes right out of his mouth? I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. You see, here's the problem with this man. He too made a bold proclamation, but then said his own terms. God, I'll follow you wherever you go. But here's my terms. Here's my conditions. I'll follow you wherever you go, but let me first, God. I'll do this, but let me first, God. I'll do this for you, but let me first, God. How many of you know there's no room for me? When it comes to resolutions, there's no room for me, myself, and I when it comes to following Jesus Christ. There's no room for that, church. Let me first. Listen, you can't give God, you can't make some bold resolution and then say, God, these are my terms and my conditions. When you make a, a bold proclamation and a spiritual resolution in your life, you better figure out what God's requirements are. 
You better, you better understand what God's guidelines are. You better understand God's ground rules before you enter into the game. Because this is what this guy did. God, I'll, I'll follow you, but let me first. And it doesn't work that way. Spiritual resolutions cannot be based on me, myself, or I. The truth is, unless God is first in your life, every spiritual resolution you make will fail. The reality is, church, unless we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, church, the, resol- the, the resolutions we make will go nowhere. Unless we love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, church, the resolutions we make cannot produce any power. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, they've got to deny themselves, take up their cross, and then they can follow me. God must be first in every spiritual resolution we make. All I'm saying is that when it comes to making a spiritual resolution, I must die. I must decrease so that he can increase. Jesus said, if you want to gain your life, you got to lose your life. If you want to be first, you better be last. It's all backwards. It's opposite. We got to be willing to get ourselves out of the way, church, when we make a resolution to the Lord. Because if we don't, the me will spoil the soil of your soul and you'll bring forth nothing for the kingdom of God. Listen to what I'm saying. If me, myself, and I are part of the soil of our soul, then God's kingdom won't come. God's power won't be revealed. We must lose ourselves for Christ so that His power can be produced in our lives. Excuse me for my stumbling over my words. But we must be prepared to produce, church, or nothing's going to come forth in our life. God is looking for hearts that are prepared to produce this year, church. He's looking for hearts that are willing to produce what the mouth professes, like I said. I believe with all of my heart as I begin to wind this down, church, that the the resolution God is looking for this year can be found in Colossians 2, verse 6 to 8, where Paul says this. He's speaking to to the, the church. And he says, so then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. Be rooted up and built up in him. Be strengthened in him and in your faith, just as you were taught and overflow with thankfulness. If there was ever a resolution we should make in 2011 or any year, it's this resolution. To be, to be resolved, listen, to continue to live in Him, to be rooted up and built in Him, to be strengthened in Him and built up in faith, just like you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. This is a resolution we should all be prepared to make. This is a resolution that we should all strive to have fulfilled in our lives. But unfortunately, this doesn't, this doesn't mirror most Christians today. The reality is this word does not Uh, reflect many, many Christians today. Most Christians don't continue on in their spiritual resolutions, church. Unfortunately, and I'm, I'm part of that equation. 
Most individuals, Christians today, don't continue in the resolution. They give up, they give in. When things get tough, when things get rough, when things aren't going the way they want, they throw in the towel and they quit. And they do not continue, church, in their resolution. They do not continue in Jesus Christ. They don't continue in service and continue in praise and continue in worship and continue in giving. Because God didn't do this, then then I won't do that. But God is looking for someone that is is willing to continue in Him. No matter what comes their way this year, no matter where the chips might fall, no matter whether it's cloudy or gray or sunny and bright, no matter what the doctor might say, no matter what the bank account says, God is looking for an individual in 2011 that is willing to continue on in Him, to live in Him every single day, church. Amen. That's what God is looking for. But the reality is so many of us, we're up one week and we're down the next week. Oh, we're dancing and clapping one week and we're moaning and crying the blues the next week. We're all in one day and we're all out the next. It's the way we operate, but God can't use that and, and, and nothing can be produced in that life, church. Most Christians are not rooted like the Bible just said. Not rooted in Christ, fixed in Christ, immovable in Christ, anchored in Christ. There seems to be shiftings and shadows and variances of affection and variances of praise and variances of worship, like I said. We're not rooted. We're pulled up by by every wind that that blows our way, by the winds of circumstance and the the winds of situation, church, by the winds and feelings of emotions, church. We're uprooted, it seems like, left and right all the time. But God is looking for someone in 2011 that is willing to say, I'm going to plant myself here and nothing's going to move me. Plant myself in worship. Root myself in the Word of God. Root myself in prayer so that when hell breaks loose against me, it will not move me. That's what God is looking for, church, in 2011. Most Christians fluctuate according to their circumstances and situations, like I said, church. Those Christians are not strong in their faith like Paul is encouraging us to do. Be strengthened in him and strengthened in your faith. Most Christians, church, are not built up in the most high faith today. If it doesn't feel good, it's all about feelings today. Turn on any channel. It's all about being financially blessed and it's all about being happy and it's all about emotions, church. But God wants us to be strengthened in faith, the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord, the Bible says. We must be strengthened in faith. It's what God is looking for, church, in 2011. He's looking for that individual that's willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Willing to walk by the Word of God and not the Word of man. He's looking for an individual that's willing to walk by faith and not by what they see or feel or hear going on around them. That's what God's looking for. And He wants, He's looking for individuals that are doers of the Word. It, It says it right there. Built up in the Most High faith just as you were taught. Unfortunately... 
The reality is even the house of God is filled with listeners and not doers. But God's looking for some doers in 2011. He's looking for some doers of His Word, and He's looking for some doers of their own Word. When you say, God, I'll serve you, serve them. When you say, God, I'll worship you, worship them. When you say, God, I'll give, then give. When you say, God, I'll read the Word, then read the Word. When you say, God, I'll get into prayer, then get into prayer. When you say, God, I'll fast, then fast. When you say, God, I'll forgive, then go forgive. When you say, God, I'll love, and God, I'll care, and God, I'll minister, then get off yourself and go do what you say you will do. Because that's what God is looking for, church. Doers of the word, just as you were taught. We've been taught enough. We've been preached at enough. We've been told enough. We've been encouraged enough. If we didn't hear one more sermon on a Wednesday or a Sunday, we've got enough to do the will of God. Go do what you were taught. That's what God wants in 2011. Yes, He wants people to come into the house of God. Yes, He's excited to see us expand. Yes, He wants us to minister to as many people as we can. But not, let's not get lost in this holy little huddle and think that's all there is to our faith. God wants us to be doers of His Word, to get out of here and go out there and do something great this year. He wants us to be prepared to produce church. Bringing this to a close with this. In 2 Corinthians 8, I'm skipping over some stuff, but in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 10 to 11, Paul speaks to another church. And he says this. He says, I suggest that you finish what you started a year ago. For you were the first to propose this idea, and you were the first to begin doing something about it. Now you should carry this project through till completion as enthusiastically as you started it. You see, the reality is every resolution starts out well. Every resolution starts out with excitement, starts out with enthusiasm. Every resolution starts out with the fullness of our heart, church. It starts out well. It starts out with good intentions and great enthusiasm. But please understand, God is not interested in good intentions. What you and I need to realize is that the only resolution God is interested in are the ones that we're willing to complete. The ones that we are willing to actually produce in our lives, church. So the only resolutions worth making this year are the ones that our hearts are prepared to produce. That's what I want to encourage you with. The question that the Holy Spirit would ask us today at the beginning of 2011 is how far is your heart willing to go for God this year. How much of you, your heart are you willing to give to God in 2011? How many of us are prepared to produce what our mouth dares to profess, church? And so the question tonight is, if you're willing to give Him all of your heart, if you're willing to commit 2011 to His will and to His ways and to His wants, church, if you're willing to prepare your heart to produce something of value in 2011. I want you to stand to your feet as we pray. You see, I'm going to pray, but what I want you to understand is that our hearts have to be as big as our mouth is this year. God doesn't want lip service. God wants heart service in 2011. He wants you to talk big, but He wants you to live even bigger. 
So what you and I need to make sure is every time we profess something out of our mouth that it's not bigger than our heart. And the only way that your heart will ever be prepared to produce is by filling it with Jesus Christ. The only way that your heart will ever be prepared to produce is to fill it with the Word of God, to fill it with prayer and to fill it with worship and to fill it with His presence. The only way your resolution and my resolution will ever accomplish anything this year is to fill our hearts with Jesus Christ so that our heart is always bigger than our mouth is. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for all of your blessings, all of your goodness, all of your faithfulness. I thank you, Father God, that through 2010, every single day, your mercies were new. Every single day, Father God, regardless of where you found us or what condition we were in, your faithfulness endured and endured and endured, and it still endures today. I'm thankful, Father God, for the plans that you have for us in 2011. Plans to bless us and not harm us. Plans to give us hope and a great future. Plans to bless us and plans to prosper us. Plans to lead us on and strengthen us. Plans to expand our territory, Lord God, and just pour out your blessings in our life. But it's my prayer now, God, that we would prepare ourselves to produce something of value for your kingdom. That we would prepare ourselves, God, to produce something for the kingdom of God and for the king. I pray that we would never be found just simply offering you lip service, God, but that we would prepare our hearts to produce whatever our mouths might profess, God. Let us not be that man that says, I'll follow you wherever you go and then never hear anything about him. Let us be the individual that is prepared to pay the price, whatever it might be, God. I'm mindful of, I'm mindful, Father God, of Daniel. Who, who made a resolution not to defile himself, God, and partake of the king's wine and partake of the king's bounty, God. He made a resolution that he knew quite well could lead him to his death, and he made it anyway, God. And I pray that we would be that resolved. That no matter where our resolution would take us, God, even if it's to a lion's den, even if it's to a fiery furnace, that we would have the courage to make it and the courage to live up to it so that we could be rewarded and so that we could offer something of value to the king. Bless us this year. Bless your people. Prosper them, I pray, in all that they do. And let us start this year outright by seeking you first, God, and your righteousness, so that all these other things could be added unto us. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord as we always do, church? Amen. If you have a special need or request, I'll tarry with you. Otherwise, go and prepare yourself to produce.